It's don't. really more of a uh, curious case of Benjamin Button scenario, right? We just we're going lower and lower and lower. Getting are going to reach number one. Yeah, that, that's how it works. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like an Oscar Wilde uh, picture of Dorian Gray kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So these are this if the the last twenty are sort of the formative movies. These are then the uh, the prime years movies or something. <laughs> I, I don't think it quite works that way since we're uh, 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 ostensibly getting better. Every movie is going to be better yes, from this uh, point forward. Yeah. The, but this is where we are approaching the cream of the crop, is what we're saying. Yes, we are definitely approaching. Yeah, these are probably all movies that we would die on a hill for, I would think. Yeah, I think so. At I this think point. that's where we've approached. You know, we're, so. We're really, we're, we're batting for these ones. Yeah, honing in. Do we need any more, like, to do or pageantry should we should we just get right on, on to the the course uh hello everybody welcome again to the good trash honor cast we gather around table discuss films you'll never discuss in film today's course unless you're doing the list this week which we are the last three weeks uh, three weeks yeah this three. is part four part four I, I can't count um which is an ongoing problem you've noticed throughout these shows yes um and so yes counting is hard but we're trying to count down from 100 and so here we are doing uh films numbers 40 through 21 uh i'm still dustin i'm still arthur i am still dalton and uh, i guess we'll just continue with this ongoing saga in many, many parts. Part four. Part four. Number 40. Number 40 for me is uh, Alan Renee's Last Year at Marion Bad. Film I'm like hear mm. about all the time that I just yeah. know I need to catch up with. I, I talk about it quite a bit. It is an incomprehensible people talk film. About all the time. I feel like I hear lots of people talk about this one. Yeah, and this one I've brought up more than once because it's about memory and about time and about weird associations. Uh, what you'll see in this film are conversations had with persons, between persons, and sometimes the persons change, and sometimes the places change. And we don't know if we're looking at a memory, a misremembrance, or the event. Mm. And what happened last year at Marion Bed? Mm. Nobody knows, because memory itself is malleable, and it is a meditation on exactly that idea. Uh, really, really kind of uh, uh, just interesting film, and beautifully shot all the way through. So I uh, love it a lot. It's from 1961. Uh, Alan Renee the left bank of the French New Wave. Uh, he's one of those left bank filmmakers, and uh, it's a great movie. So I like it a lot, and I recommend you catch Last Year at Marion Bad, available now on the Criterion What channel. a banker. <laughs> uh, moving on, what comes in at 41, 40 for you? Uh, 40 for me is one of the <clears throat> great comedies of all time. Um, it is absurd. It is silly. It is surreal. It is 1975's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. Yeah. Um, Top 150 for me, for sure. Comedy influence is maybe unmatched. Uh, not just this, but I think uh, the Python troupe itself. This sure. absurdist comedy has laid a groundwork for the sort of alt comedy that now takes center stage. It, Lying into the surreal, leaning into the absurd, really found its legs with uh, the Python troupe. And the Holy Grail is the perfect culmination of their energies working in a way that is, I think, unmatched for the time. Uh, we've we've talked about the life, Brian. Uh, we can talk about the meaning of life. Uh, both of those have funny bits in them, but neither one, I think, work as well as the Holy Grail. Um and just, uh, you know, a, a great crew of comedians uh, just doing some very funny work filled with classic bits. And this is a movie um, the first time you watch it, especially if you don't watch it, I think, in a group or with at least one or two other people, 
Uh, it's just a very what is going on <laughs> yeah, experience. I've watched this movie alone. It's sort of an odd experience. And for then sure. to watch it a second time and to start to really catch because everything is a mile a minute. There's just so much going on. It's a joke machine gun, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's, it just never stops. It just it, it's it's a fast pitch machine at a, a, at a ballpark thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just doesn't slow down. Um, and it just throws these these fastballs uh, every moment. The 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 bits the the dialogue the characters everything that's taking place the music the animation um king arthur uh john uh, eric graham or what's his name graham chapman, graham chapman. Mm-hmm. um you know uh just doing great straight man work here as king arthur and and letting everybody else playing off of that and uh getting to do some fun satire about monarchies and people in power um and absurdities of quests and and turning this whole chivalric thing on its head uh is a fun bit and i love monty python and the holy grail uh and it works to this day and so there you go very good very good i'm making a guess that vi- that dalton's not going to show us the violence inherent in the system no, no. I, I will not. <laughs> Too bad. Although maybe a little bit. Sure. Ah. Actually, you know what? Why not? Make an argument. This is, this is about a, fascism. It's a neo noir. Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's a New York movie. I, this is probably my highest ranked New York movie by like a lot. I don't hey, think you I have. Watch where I'm walking. Hey, hey, you guys. Oh, it's the Sazan. <laughs> Thank you for that, Arthur. It has been in Josh Safdie's uncut gems. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it's the other. You hinted uh, at it last week. I did hint at it last week. It's the other incredible Adam Sandler performance on my list. His his Howie is. What a character. Uh, a tale of a man trying to hold it together while it is all clearly spinning out of control. A film about addiction. A film about obsession in some ways. Uh, a film about second chances and, and who actually deserves them. Uh, really just a, a mile a minute movie. A very it. Jewish, very ecclesiastical film as well. Yeah, sort of a film about suffering yeah. and, and, and tra- travails and uh, thinking things are going to go right constantly and they never pan out. The only Passover film? Uh, uh, wow yeah yeah. a passover film yeah Yeah. right yeah maybe right i think you might be right um the hebrew hammer isn't so (laughs) we don't talk about that (laughs) yeah i i if you this movie is uh one of those vibe movies we've talked about and its vibe is uh heart palpitations (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) this is a hard watch anxiety yeah i won't lie to you but uh, it's definitely worth the experience and a great pair with the exorcist Got that great opening that mirrors yeah. what's going on there. Yeah. Hmm. And again, speaking of the violence inherent in the system, that is sort of its opening scene, is, is sort of uh, presenting these larger questions Obs- about the, the gym trade. Obsession and possession. That's right. Uncut gems. How about that for a segue? Very good. All right, moving on to number 39. Number 39 for me is um, very different from the last film. It is uh, Robert Klaus's 1973 uh, star vehicle for one Bruce Lee. It is Enter the Dragon. Hell yeah, dude. I love Enter the Dragon. It is... Is it my favorite Bruce Lee movie? No. Way of the Dragon is probably my favorite. Uh, Is it better than Way of the Dragon? Yeah. Sure, I gotcha. So, uh, yeah. uh, It's great. It's a spy movie. It's a tournament fight movie. Yeah. uh, Jim Kelly. uh, 
John Saxon, uh, what do you want from me? Uh, mirrors, broken mirrors, the fractured image, and then later on the fracturing of Bruce Lee into various Bruceploitation images about which somebody might write a book someday uh, or is writing a book this day. So, yeah, uh, it's a big deal for me personally, and it is a great movie, and it's endlessly watchable, and I love End of the Dragon a whole bunch. I am looking at sad faces, I think, because I'm, we're not going to see End of the Dragon We're not going to see it again, unfortunately. Oh. It's been too long since I've visited with it. Okay. I've not uh, seen it. It's a film that I haven't... Oh. It's a film I have a great deal of affection for. Uh, uh, I, I, I love the movie sure. a bunch. So, Enter the Dragon at four, or 39 for me. 39 for you, Arthur. Uh, 39 for me proves that the only way to make a live-action comedy is to film it like a... Uh, or a live-action cartoon is to film it like a cartoon live-action movie, and <laughs> that is the Wachowskis' Speed Racer. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah. We are Speed, we are Racer, we are Speed Racer. Uh, uh, it didn't make my list, but I'm so glad it made some. It's a movie all about art and commercialization of art and what that looks like, and it is uh, just... Um, filmmaking at its finest, as it, it really does at every step try to emulate anime in a live action form and that is fascinating and it is bold and it is endearing uh, I, I think it's a near perfect movie um, love it so much uh, we try not to talk about Ilmo Hirsch too much but uh, we got Matthew Fox we got Christina Ricci we got John Goodman uh, great cast uh, great filmmakers Wachowski's I think knocked it out of the park with Speed Racer unappreciated in time but people are coming around on it finally uh we talked about it on the show a long time ago i love it i feel like we were sort of on the first wave of it i think so appraisal we were we i were, missed we're that, that show I was, not not there. Yeah. I was not on that show uh, we ran without you but uh we had a great conversation about speed racer i think yeah. it's uh, a great one to talk about and to watch and that's why it is in the top half of my list at number 39 i recently read an article about that movie uh dialoguing with john krakauer's uh not john krakauer um siegfried krakauer's john krakauer writes um non-fiction adventure books siegfried krakauer's uh realism versus formalism uh spectrum and how it's much more on the formalist end yeah so yeah. anyway uh very good stuff uh what comes in at 39 for you number 39 for me is Sidney lumet's fail safe mm. uh look blind spot I, I like deep impact more than i like armageddon i like fail safe more than i like dr strange love this is the way it is for me. Uh, and that is the sort of the situation with Failsafe. It, it was the uh, deep impact to mm -hmm. Dr. Strangelove's Armageddon. It came out the same year. In fact, uh, Kubrick was like, we got to get Strangelove out and beat Failsafe to the theaters. And they did. Uh, and this film kind of went under the radar after that. But it is a, a you know, it's it's Sidney Lumet's 12 Angry Men, but about nuclear apocalypse and uh, our fragile, fragile institutions and uh, our tendency towards destruction and our inability to really safeguard against ourselves uh, and our, our baser emotions. I think it's a really great film. I've only seen it the one time, but it, it's, it was one that just like absolutely knocked me off my feet when I first saw it. Uh, I caught, I got on my radar because of a podcast uh, that Amy Nicholson used to host. And uh, once I got on my radar, I was like, well, I gotta check this out. Cause I like Lumet and man, does this movie absolutely rule. I just think it's incredible. I strongly recommend it. It is failsafe. You talked about that so much and talked it up that I, I bought it on a criterion sale one time. So oh, it's nice. up there on the shelf. I just haven't got to it yet, oh, nice. uh, but I like Lumet quite a bit. I like Lumet, but yeah. I have not seen that one. It's either. a good one. 
All right, moving on to number 38. Number 38 for me is a Dutch by way of Indonesian documentary, The of Act of Killing. Is. Oh, that's oh, a good movie. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Of, of course it is, but also, yeah. yeah. Of course it is. That's yeah. The answer is, of course yeah. it is, because it's an incredible movie. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And so if you have not seen The Act of Killing, it is uh, a set of documentary filmmakers go to the mass murderers of Indonesia who went about executing communists, which was anyone who opposed the government of Indonesia after a military coup. So you wouldn't actually have to be a communist you could just be ethnically chinese or just not popular this is the problem with when they kill all the communists is their barometer for who's a communist is usually pretty fucking flimsy right uh and so uh the movie then moves into this strange area where they are uh given all the cinematic tools the the mass murderers are given all the cinematic tools at their fingertips to remake the killings as Hollywood movies, for the most part. At times musicals, at times uh, sort of war movies, at times sort of films noir. It is an astonishing, long, but an astonishing film. Uh, very, very good. Uh, There's nothing else like it, man. Th- there really isn't. Uh, it is It is an experience like no other. Uh, I cannot recommend The Act of Killing highly enough. Well, I guess the only other thing like it is The Look of Silence, which I haven't seen. But the, the, Well, I haven't seen it either. I know. I really need to catch up with it. But yeah, that's one I need to catch. So uh, there you go. Uh, number 38 for me is The Act of Killing. What comes in at 38 for you, Arthur? Uh, for 38 to me, uh, is, uh, it's a movie I uh, love quite a bit. Uh, very personal pick. Um, maybe the only comic book movie on this list? I don't remember, but I think so. Um, that is James Mangold's Logan. Man, the movie's uh, good. Oh man, hell yeah! The, I really took. I I thought about this one for a while. Yeah, this was the only other comic book movie that bears str- more strong consideration for my yeah. list. Uh, a lot of emotional uh, reasoning and logistics there for me to pick Logan. Uh, it's a movie that's near and dear to my heart uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but from a storytelling standpoint, I think it wraps up the narrative of uh, Hugh Jackman's Logan Wolverine uh, very beautifully. Um, allowing him to pass the mantle on to Laura X-23. Um, but it is a man who is rage-filled and angry and hurt by the world, um, who has to seek the, the last reigning piece of humanity in him to uh, be able to escort this little girl to safety. Um, and it's got just a, a dynamic performance from Hugh Jackman and then mm-hmm. just a knockout lights out performance from uh, Patrick Stewart as well. And the young newcomer who plays X 23 is also very good. A little child actor. Um, And so uh, I think it's just, uh, it's a powerful film. Uh, It's violent. It's bloody. Um, It's uh, thrilling, suspenseful. Um, Then I think again, it it just puts a nice bow on that Wolverine story uh, that Mangold was able to salvage uh, from just being, and another kind of studio franchise tentpole entry and, and doing something, I think, very personal and very emotional with it. And I think it's a beautiful franchise storytelling. I, I wish it. my 37 was my 38. Because <laughs> my, my 37 goes really well with yeah. Logan. Yeah, great pick, Arthur. Super good, super good. What comes in uh, for you? At 38, we have another George A. Romero joint. He's, he's, he's shown back up. It is Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film that says... You know how good Night of the Living Dead was? What if we made it again, but we took out all, some of the characters so we could do a more like focused in character study? The answer is it makes it even better. Um, you know, take everything I said about Night of the Living Dead and apply it to this film pretty much. Uh, it just it's it's critique of America is so much more thought through and nuanced and has so much more going on in its mind. 
and again still wrestles with these existential questions of uh the 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 impending death that is the human condition. Uh, I just think it's a great film. Uh, it's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Dustin, very what's good. What's your number 37? Number 37 is a uh, French film uh, from Jean-Luc Godard. It is breathless. Uh, it, it All you need to make a movie is a girl and a gun and a 16mm Bolex <laughs> camera and off you go with jump cuts and incredible hyperkinetic energy. It is uh, the seminal film of the French New Wave and from the right bank and it's a great movie. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's just a lot of fun and uh, it's a, uh, a guy who models himself off of Humphrey Bogart, so it's cinematically uh, self-reflexive and aware. And uh, again, just with incredible uh, realism and energy, although it's so edited uh, that it does feel like art at the same time. I like Breathless a bunch. It comes in for me at number 38. What, or 30, yeah, 8, 7, 7, 37. 37 for you, You get confused because you start the list, I think. I, I think, think that's I, I it. I think that's what's tripping you up. I think it's what I think, it, yeah. But... Yeah. 37 is what we're on. What's 37 for you, Arthur? Uh, 37 for me is another uh, sentimental uh, pick, and that is The Fugitive, uh, starring Harrison Ford and Tom Lee Jones. Uh, One of the the great uh, 90s action films um, that is uh, fun and quotable and uh, a a good ride as Harrison Ford tries to prove that I didn't kill my wife. (laughs) I don't care. Tommy Jones proves that he doesn't care. (laughs) Um, It's a a fun game of cat and mouse. Um, And uh, the the way that Harrison plays um, this character here, I think, I think is a fun turn for him because he's not the kind of rude, egotistic, uh, bad boy that he normally plays. He gets to play someone with a little heart. Dr. Richard Kimball. Great, great movie name. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a good name. And, uh, you know, he, uh, there's a moment where he is on the run and he's dressed as a janitor, but he takes the time to save a little boy, um, who the doctors don't know what's wrong with. And, and if it's not for him making a, a snap decision in the hall, uh, and I think that speaks a lot to the, the screenwriting of that film and to that character and the way he's drawn and developed. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you go for the thrills, but you stay for the uh, the, the back and forth between him and Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a movie I, I have near, very near and dear to my heart. That is The Fugitive. Very good, very good. What comes in at uh, 37 for you? Uh, this is a film that was already brought up on, I think, Arthur's list. Uh, it's Brad Bird's The Iron Giant. Uh, no, mm. was, was, it, was it on Dustin's list or has it not come up yet? I've, I could have sworn one of you had this already. Hey, well, maybe it was... <laughs> oh, it was another Brad Bird movie, though, is what it was. I think, I think when we talked about Wally, Wally way uh, back we when... Thinking, no, but that's a Stanton joint, isn't it? It's a Laster joint, isn't it? I mean, no, no, we got no lots of Hug and Lassiter on here, fortunately. Um, I did Toy Story. Uh, it is Stanton, oh, you're true. right. But yeah, that's what it, that's uh, that's what we were talking about, was whether... Uh, was that it was Tomorrowland? <laughs> Tomorrowland. <laughs> Why do you love... <laughs> before he worked for Pixar, Brad Bird helped make a little movie called The Iron Giant about an iron giant who didn't want to be a weapon. Man... And you know what? That's really all it needs to be about. It's about mm-hmm. a boy and his cool little toy. And his cool little toy is a big toy. And he just wants to be a boy's little friend. He doesn't want to be a gun, man. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to cry if I talk about it any longer, honestly. I cry every time I watch this movie. I think it absolutely rules. I got to see it at a drive-in uh, last year, which was a real treat. Um, I just think it's so so warm, so uh, so kind, it's got a great heart and uh, so many uh, 
so much of fiction that is made for little boys is conflict oriented. And I think this finds a way to channel that in a much more positive and self-reflexive way. Uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's an absolutely, uh, smash of a children's film. They don't get much better than this. So to move entirely away from warmth and kindness, uh, <laughs> to, uh, my number 36 pick, it is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. The Shining. Oh yeah. You said it would come back up. Yeah. I like Kubrick. I like The Shining. I like The Shining better than I like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It is an iconic film for me. It is just my nightmare fuel. And, uh, it's a movie about, uh, alcoholism, about abuse, uh, about, I don't know what, um, everything. Uh, Room 237 is definitely, uh, required, uh, paired watching, uh, with this, the documentary about very analytical theories of the film but um yeah like it a lot uh it is an incredible movie and um if you haven't seen the shining you're just not doing life right so there you go uh that's 36 for me what's 36 for you arthur uh 36 for me is another little influential comedy uh personally influential it is kevin smith's clerks oh Uh, nice i think this movie uh came to me at a very uh uh formative time uh, when I saw it I was kind of just getting into movies and a friend recommended uh, most of Kevin Smith's work to me uh, and so I uh, really have just appreciated this very minimal uh, approach I mean shoestring budget getting your friends together making a movie making it work racking up some credit card debt <laughs> yeah just doing what you have to do to get it done uh, and it paid off yeah and it easily could not have um, but uh, the, the the story of Dante and Randall uh, as they just try to survive working an endless dead-end job. And they're not even supposed to be there today, man. <laughs> uh, you know, they weren't supposed to be there. They're just supposed to be playing hockey with their friends. Uh, but sometimes you got to go to work, and sometimes work sucks. And uh, I, I think it's a kind of a quintessential uh, Gen X film. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Quintessential Sundance indie cinema from the early 90s. Um, and I, I, I like it a lot. And so that is Kevin Smith's Clerks. Very good, very good. What comes in at number 60 or 30? Wow. 36. 36. Well, I was saying 63. I was. I transpo- threw you off, too, because I put another number in front of your face a second ago. Yeah, you did. Um, number 36 for you, Dalton. It is Panos Cosmatos's Mandy. Mandy. Nice. Yeah. You're a fine girl. Isn't she? Uh, what a movie. Golly. Take, it's a good it movie. Just, it takes the sort of boilerplate, fridged girlfriend revenge thriller and really turns it on its head and presents something. <laughs> Shoves acid down yeah, its throat. Well, that does that too. <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, talk, about, talk about movies that are a vibe. Uh, this one is certainly that. Uh, maybe one of my favorite Nick Cage performances. That, again, not the last, first time Nick Cage has appeared on this list. Not the last time Nick Cage will appear on this list. There is a reason he's an, uh, an American icon, and uh, I just think he, he gives... Maybe his best shouting performance in this film. Uh, It's just so good. It's so focused. And it it brings such pathos to, again, the the revenge genre is often not really got much human feeling in it. You know, it's about hard men doing hard things. And uh, in this movie, Nicolas Cage cries in his underpants and uh, makes it one of the most compelling things you've ever seen. And Andrea Riceboro gives real life and humanity to Mandy and uh, makes her defiant and interesting and powerful and uh, just gives a great performance. And uh, boy, does the movie look wild. (laughs) Yeah. Cheddar Goblin, baby. Cheddar Goblin. (laughs) Bikers from hell. And Chrome Axe. This movie is filled with visuals for the eyes and uh, the, the delights for the senses. It's incredible. 
Very good, very good. Well, coming in at 35 for me is perhaps the Urtext of Mandy. Oh. It is Kenneth Anger's 1963 uh, experimental film, Scorpio Rising. Mm. Uh, biker culture, pop music. I know a little um, bit about this film, yeah. Le- leather daddies. Um, a number of things. Uh, Nazism. <laughs> it's, this movie's got it all. I've seen a little bit of it yeah, with Nazism, you, Christianity, and the occult. Uh, it's it's doing a lot. There's a number of things that are happening. It's a super, super influential film. Uh, without that film, we probably don't have Mandy. We probably don't have Martin Scorsese. At least the version of Martin Scorsese that we received in movie like say goodfellas uh it's a short film uh 28 minutes long it's available on all your streaming services and you should are free like youtube free <laughs> streaming services and you should definitely yeah, probably not gonna see it on netflix are you <laughs> no, no it's not gonna be found on netflix uh it's a great movie um marlon brando but dirty um there you go that is the movie scorpio rising coming in uh for me at number 35 what comes in at 35 for you arthur well you keep your leather daddy because i've got my thread daddy it is paul thomas anderson's phantom thread he is a thread daddy isn't he, <laughs> he is a thread. He <laughs> that's is. funny good pick man uh, is I, this your highest rated pta no uh Ooh. but i think between three of us we've got almost his entire filmography on this uh, top 100 we like pta uh, well, we certainly won't be putting licorice pizza on the list that's for sure um phantom thread to me is uh, it's just a master class in in the driest possible way of doing comedy um uh woodcock's uh his lines his deliveries uh, are just endlessly entertaining he is uh the absolute worst person in the world um and he meets his match and he is maybe better for it? I don't know. I think so. Uh, They are going to take each other to endless, fascinating ceramic places. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, neither of them seem like a fun guy, but uh, it's a good time uh, to be had if you have not seen it. I urge you to go out, watch it. Uh, it's, It's a movie that is... Very well written, uh, but also technically incredibly, incredibly well done. Uh, the the sound mixing, uh, the sound design of needles pushing through thread, uh, the the camera close ups of calloused hands sewing, uh, the costume design. It is just immaculate filmmaking at the highest level. Uh, it's very minimal, very naturalist in its lighting and its cinematography. Uh, but it has a very modern feeling script. And, and so I, I love it uh, for that. I've already mentioned Rebecca, uh, which it owes a great debt to. Uh, and I think it is just endlessly uh, fascinating. That is Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. Kiss me, my darlings, before I'm sick. Dalton, what do you have at number 35? Number 35, I have Alex Garland's Annihilation. Oh, that movie's good. Absolute fucking jam of a movie a movie about Mm. self-destruction a movie about uh discovery another movie about obsession uh a a movie uh, about uh, looking into your own dark heart and seeing what looks back at you um i just absolutely love this movie Uh, i've got a movie that uh, it's quite influenced by a little bit higher uh but uh, i just i love every time i watch this movie i really just fall in love with it all over again it it's got great creature design fantastic art design from top to bottom really but uh, some some really wonderful creatures mm-hmm. uh, i think about the flower people a lot and of course the shark gator and the, the skull bear skull bears woof. is one of the great monsters of our era yeah i think that that's fair yeah i think it's incredible it's so cool yeah it's I, so cool the movie looks so cool and it f- feels so cool i don't there's not a lot that feels like this movie mm-hmm. um it, it really is something special 
Um, it's uh, it's one of my favorite science fiction films by a pretty wide margin. I, I really think it's something incredible. Very good, very good. I like Annihilation a lot, too. Moving on to number 34. Number 34 was mentioned last week by Mr. Arthur Gordon, uh, directed by the great Sir Alfred Hitchcock. It is The Lady Vanishes. Dig it. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, Arthur said the words. I won't say much more other than the movie is an incredible bit of editing and pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scream into the train whistle is just brilliant. And uh, it's just a great little thriller, and it totally works. You should listen to the girls. That's the lesson that we all should learn. So there you go. The Lady Vanishes coming in at 34 for me. What comes in at 34 for you, Arthur? Um, well, we're right back to Leather Daddies because it's James Cameron's uh, <laughs> T2 Judgment Day. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> That's maybe not a... an image I wanted. <laughs> maybe a... Uh... But, but tell me he's not a Leather Daddy. <laughs> You're not tell wrong. Tell me he's not. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, it is a <sighs> perfect action film. Uh, its special effects hold up uh incredibly well today uh yeah, James Cameron is at the peak when it comes to implementing technology into filmmaking um he pushes himself he pushes the medium he pushes every element of that to make movies that are memorable uh and that are experiences that feel epic in nature epic in scope uh he's done it uh just about every time he's uh, opened a movie uh, especially in the last uh, two decades since T2. Uh, it feels like he makes movies that are can't-miss events. Um, everybody's counting him out on this Avatar 2 thing, but uh, my money's going to be on James Cameron. Uh, and that's where we're at. T2, Judgment Day, incredible, iconic imagery. Uh, the T-800, the T-1000, uh, Robert Patrick, uh, emulating the mother uh, as he has just killed her. Uh Ooh. Haunting um, man, yeah. The, the the chase through the institution, the car chase after. He's got those crowbar hands coming for him. Chase through the L.A. River. Yeah, come on, it's so good. Uh, Dalton had already talked about it uh, earlier, but I love this movie. It's so fun. It's T two Judgment Day. I'm so glad it made another list. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. What comes in at 34 for you, Dalton? It is Hayao Miyazaki's Howl's Moving Castle. Movie's good. I, a movie uh, that I just recently caught up with last year, maybe even this year. Uh, no, last year. Uh, so pretty recent addition to the list for me. But I just fell in love with this movie right away. It's, it's my favorite Miyazaki. Um, not the least of which because it's weirdly about America. Uh, it definitely feels like it a little bit. It's, it feels like it's about the the war in Iraq. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of said as much with his uh, not going to the uh, Academy Awards the year this was nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, it manages to be a, you know, a, a pretty well thought through children's movie, uh, despite being an, uh, a profound anti-war film. Uh, I don't know how you managed to do that, but Miyazaki does it. And uh it managed to be about youth and aging and and dying and and friendship and all of these other wonderful things and it's full of such wonderful little guys all the best little guys billy crystal as a little fire come on what's not to like it's house moving castle very good very good all right moving on to number 33 about which i am quite ambivalent um, it is the only entry from a film... You're ambivalent about your own 33? I'm, ambiv- I'm ambivalent about the filmmaker. I like the movie uh, a okay, lot. But mm. it's one of those art and artist separation pieces, but I'm going to go ahead and leave it in there. It is Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors. Uh, it's Man, it's a good movie. Uh, it is the movie in which uh, 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 Woody Allen uh, plays a character who's in love with Mia Farrow, 
And so, you know, it's part of that relationship there. And he can't sort of sorcel her away from her, you know, attractant, who's played by Alan Alda, who's an absolute idiot. Um, Woody Allen is uh, commissioned to make a little documentary film about him in which he intercuts uh, Donkey's Brang and Benito Mussolini uh, to insult the man, which kind of wrecks his own life. The whole time, Martin Landau is having an affair and uh, murders uh, Angelica Houston and perhaps gets away with it. Uh, while Sam Watterson plays a rabbi who slowly goes blind. It is about the problem of evil and justice and the brokenness of the world. And, man, it's an incredible movie. The call's coming from inside the house, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it is, it is a really, really interesting meditation on those concepts, of philosophical concepts, of just why bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to, or good things happen to bad people. Why and, do good things happen to bad people, Woody? Why, why do why I do don't they? think he knows uh, no, which I is the right he... answer which uh, is, which yeah. would make it a worse film honestly yeah if sure he, oh if, god if, yeah if he provided an answer but uh, it really really works the movie just really really works um, despite Woody Allen yeah. so um, except for one Woody Allen um, number I understand your ambivalence at yeah, this point number 33 for me is crimes and misdemeanors what comes in at 33 for you Arthur uh, well I actually really love this uh, this filmmaker and his team <laughs> well, um, and this, well, good uh, for you this part of the list is really saying a lot about my comedy taste uh, because this is uh uh Taika Waititi and Jabane Clements what we do in the shadows oh, uh, yeah, um god uh, it's a mockumentary uh, it's a vampire movie uh it's a real world uh reality show documentary spoof uh it's uh, a look at uh, 18th century dandies <laughs> Nosferatu's uh, interview with the vampires. Uh, <laughs> All uh, your flavors of vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, your Baskin Robbins of vampires <laughs> are uh, are here um, in this. It's playing with every trope uh, in the in the vampire genre, and doing it with love and and grace. And uh, guys, they're uh, they're werewolves. They're not swearwolves. Um, <laughs> it's just right. sharp comedy writing. I love Flight of the Concords so much. I love Jermaine Clement. Uh, this New Zealand style of absurd comedy uh, that's a bit self-deprecating, but also very, at times dry, but also very sarcastic, uh, just really works for me. And so uh, I, I went out of my way to try to find this one when it was released, uh, and I, I was able to watch it, fell in love with it. Uh, it's spun off a whole TV show, uh, or two, I think. There's a second one about the uh, the police force there. And uh, it just works uh, on every level. Uh, it's tight. keeps it right. It's what we do in the shadows at number 33. What's 33 for you, Dalton? My number 33 is this, the lone John Hughes film on my list. Uh, I guess you could call the lead problematic if we're talking about people. He did he did have a sort of a car issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, outside of that, you know, he seems like likable enough. It is Ferris Bueller's Day Off starring Matthew Broderick. Uh, a movie that I just, man, it's, I, I fell in love with this film growing up, and I really, uh, you know, I, I, I see, uh, I, I think every every little white boy who doesn't want to do anything at school sees himself in Ferris Bueller, and uh, I, I, you know, how can you not? It's 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 such an entertaining film. Uh, everybody loves him, you know, losers, the dweebos. I forget, I forget all she lists. Just I, not his I sister. I, was gonna, I thought I was going to be able to do the monologue from her, but I can't. Uh, yeah, what a great movie. Uh, I just think it's so fun. Uh, it's, uh, 
you know, John Hughes uh, is sort of the the maestro of the coming of age genre, at least uh, in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this is the one that always spoke to me. I just think it's great. I, I see myself in Cameron too. That's uh, such a, a great character. I, I, and that, that's really, I think, the strength of this movie is Ferris, Sloan, and Cameron uh, all really feel like friends, and uh, you, you want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great movie. Very good, very good. Coming in now for number 32, uh, it is another Alfred Hitchcock joint. It's an American one. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly in The Rear Window. Uh, there's enough print on this to fill many, many, many books. Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie. It's yeah. a great time. It's really funny. Uh, yeah. We had a screening not very long ago of this film at the university, mm. and uh, I forgot how funny some of the bits Sharp. are. It's yeah. a really, really yeah. sharply written script. Um, John Michael Hayes is great uh, doing the writing there, and uh, it's that point in Hitchcock's life when he just can't miss. And he certainly does not with Rear Window. I love it a lot. Moving on, what's your yeah. 32, Arthur? Uh, Rear Window will make another appearance. I figured and, as much. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, for me, it is... Uh, a a Western classic. It's uh, one that I love. Uh, It's also a great allegory for the new Hollywood. It is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you love this movie. Uh, I love it so much. Um, Man, uh, Newman and Refford. Uh, What a pair. Uh, No greater chemistry, surely, than... uh, (laughs) Between these two men, uh, <laughs> even yeah. more so than Jennifer Grey and uh, <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Perhaps, uh, perhaps. Uh, they're so good. Uh, it's a lot of great lines. Uh, he's wearing bifocals uh, so he can see you guys. Uh, come on. Um, uh, teardrops just keep falling on my head. Uh, the little bike number. Um, their, their last stand, uh, that freeze frame end. As they walk out into their potential demise, what has to be believed to be their demise, um, I love it so much. And I th- again, I think it is such a interesting look at a shifting period in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. As it's out with the old, in with the new. What does that look like? What is our place here? How do we navigate all of that? How do we find our voice amidst all of that? Why don't they just listen to us? Uh, I, I I love it and. Uh, it's not for Butch and Sundance. I don't know that we don't have a Sundance Film Festival. Probably and, not. And uh, the, the, the moves from Redford there to uh, offer voices a, a chance to be heard. And so I, uh, I appreciate it for that. Uh, that is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid at 32. Dalton, what are you bringing in at 32? I also have a hitch at 32. It's the lone hitch on my list because it's the only hitch film I've seen because I'm a Philistine. Uh, but it is the or or or. Uh, slasher film it is psycho we'll be seeing it again yeah, yeah. i thought that that was probably a good, pretty good chance I it's mean, good well there's a reason it's making my list and it's a reason it's making dustin and arthur's list and uh we talked about it on this show year two years ago now uh with our friend alex and yeah, yeah i mean what's not to like it is a, a master class in telling a spooky story mm-hmm. and uh, it, it does so remarkably well mm-hmm. It's it's got like two of the all time great scary murder scenes like just they're profound and impactful and they don't even need to use that much uh, gore. It's great stuff. Movies. I love them. 
Mm-hmm. It's, that movie the, the, is made out of movies. Yeah, you watch it, you go, "Damn, movies are cool." <laughs> right, yeah. for sure. All right, well, there we go to number thirty-one. Number thirty-one for me is a sequel that I like better than its predecessor. It is The Godfather Part Two, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, I disagree. But I, I, I think it's better. I like the intercut. I like Vito Corleone coming up in Italy. Uh, I think it works much better than the Italian scenes uh, with uh, Al Pacino. Sure, going. It's, I mean, that's fair. You know, and I, I think the intercutting of this slow damnation uh, sort of done simultaneously against one another, uh, how Vito and also Michael find their way to their ends, and the whole betrayal um, sequence uh, with uh, with Fredo. I, I, it, it just works. Uh, the, the historical uh, information about the fall of Cuba, all of that really, really works. It is uh, the best gangster movie ever. I, I like it a lot, and uh, so it is. Uh, it is the better movie, and it comes in for me at thirty-one. What say you, Arthur, for thirty-one? Uh, mine has nothing to do with the mob. Uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it is a, a, a dynamic story about brothers, about addiction, about family, about finding a way to show love. Uh, it is also about cage fights and beating each other yeah, up. Yeah, baby. It's a warrior. Yeah, uh, baby. Tom Hardy, Joel Egerton. A male weepy. Oh, uh, so what good. a movie. Man, it's good. What a movie. What um, a great sports film. It's one of the greats. Yeah, it's uh, it's just so powerful. Uh, just uh, the performances we get from everybody here are great and add so much to what this movie is. I, I love it, though. I think it is, uh, again, one of the great sports movies, this idea of brother versus brother, uh, both seeking something, uh, one just trying to live, yeah. to have money, and the other facing this guilt trying that he to has. Prove something. Yeah. yeah. This massive chip on his shoulder. And Tom Hardy's little shoulders over duck walk. That he has, uh, and that's that's how a five nine guy walks. Speaking yeah. from experience, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're just mad about being uh, not five ten. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and of course, them both dealing with their uh, their father, Nick Nolte, uh, here as Patty. Uh, it's really a generational story, a family story at its heart, and it's so good, and I like it. Uh, a whole lot. Uh, so yeah, go see Warrior. If you haven't seen it, it is it is so much more than two two guys beating themselves up. Yeah, uh, it's got a lot to say, and I, I like it a lot. Very good, very good. What comes at thirty one for you, Dalton? Another film about fighting fascism. It is Michael Curtis's Casablanca. Another movie. We'll see it again. Yeah, I yeah, we maybe. will. <laughs> Another movie. That, I'm I'm so glad. Yeah, hell yeah, that rules. Uh, it's another movie that when you see it, you go movies movies yeah it, yeah it's it's reputation precedes it and uh for good reason i think this film really really holds up uh i've really been i've been meaning to rewatch it because uh, i i just like it so much the the, the one time that i've seen it um but it, it's so exciting bogart bacall it's it's what's not to like man uh and um oh my god reek Oh well, Peter Lorre, yeah, you, Peter Lorre, uh, and Sidney Greenstreet as Gut or not Gutman, he's Gutman in Maltese Falcon. What's his name? In uh, Ferrari, yeah, in uh, yeah. that one, yeah, yeah. It's just so good. The the, the tale of uh, expats hanging out in Casablanca and the sort of the margins of of early World War II, um, a, a sweeping romantic adventure film, a film about sacrifice, mm-hmm. uh, a film about doing the right thing even when it's hard. Uh, I just think it's incredible. 
Very good, very good. Uh, coming in for me at number 30 is a movie from the year before my last pick from 1973. It's Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. Yeah. Uh, man, I was talking about a movie that's like movies. This is one of those kinds of movies. And, so, and vibes. And, and, man, and vibes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about Bobcat Breasts. A film that tells you doesn't ask you a film that tells you that all movies are shit yes <laughs> and that so are you but yeah. you can turn into gold uh mixing the tarot andy warhol art and astrology question mark uh it's a movie that really really just is an experience all into itself it is too bad they blew up all those frogs it well yeah uh, i well i'm in favor of yeah, I forgot about your strong distaste for amphibians. <laughs> I, I also forgot about your hatred of amphibians. But yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, Jordawowski himself, uh, El Topo could have easily made the list. Asanta Sangre could have easily made the list as well. But I do feel like uh, The Holy Mountain is the strongest of uh, the three major films in his oeuvre. Um, and so, yeah, I like it a lot, and I recommend The Holy Mountain quite highly. Moving on, what's your number 30, Arthur? Uh, for me, number 30 is my uh, final uh, Paul Thomas Anderson pick. Uh, the highest one on my list. It's actually the last edition I made to this list uh, as I watched it for the first time just a couple of days before making it. Uh, and it is Boogie Nights. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Which is just a uh, sweeping uh, epic of excess and the 70s and the porn industry and uh, Mark Wahlberg just doing great work. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Molina. Incredible work. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, just what a movie. Uh, speaking of, uh, you talked about the the, the third man. No, uh, not the third man. Um, what was the other one? The uh, Touch of Evil. Yeah, you talked about Touch of Evil and that long take. We get a couple for three. I think really solid long takes here. Uh, two of them kind of parallel nice and a very classical touch of we are introduced to the club and all of the players in the opening long take and then we get a wraparound at the end that mirrors that long take and then the center is the one that kind of infamously uh, emulates soy cuba uh, as it goes into the water and comes out uh, mm -hmm. it's just a it's a pta just playing around uh, and getting a little cocky i think uh, with his uh, filmmaking skills there are moments where it looks and feels like a very small indie uh, movie, and there are times where it feels like a big epic uh, film, and all of it deals with, again, the pursuit of that intangible, fleeting, dangerous American dream that we are so obsessed with, uh, especially in the 70s, and chasing down that money, that fame, and what that looks like. Boogie Nights, very good. Uh, it's a vibe. It washes over you. It's an experience. Uh, and I was just raptured watching this thing play out in front of my eyes. Uh, and I like it quite a bit. It's Boogie Nights. Very good, very good. What comes in at 30 for you, Dalton? Number 30 for me is uh, the anti-capitalist masterpiece, Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You. That movie's good. Yeah. We're going to see it again? No, just me? That's okay. Uh, <laughs> Equisapiens. Need I say more? I can. Army Hammer, before he was a uh, noted cannibal Army Hammer, giving an incredible, weird, rich guy performance. Uh, an incredible Keith Stanfield performance and Tessa Thompson performances. Some great VO performances from Patton Oswald and uh, and others. Uh, Danny Glover with a great little cameo. I, it's just a great film. Uh, it, talk about a first feature. A film that had been percolating in Boots Riley's imagination for over a decade before he got to make it. I just It's a passion project, and I love that about it. Uh, I love everything it's got to say. I love how funny 
it is. Uh, I love how incisive and insightful it is. And its message is simple and clean. Organize. Uh, you have nothing to lose but your chains. Uh, if you can't get, if you're not in a union, get in one. If you can't get in one, like me, because you're legally forbidden to do so, you know, join a workers' association if they got one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's a great movie, and uh, it's so fucking funny. Like mm-hmm. just really, it's funny. really funny. How, it's so funny uh, and weird. Danny Glover's use your white voice the, monologue is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's a great movie. All right, moving on. Number 29. Number 29 is another Reagan-era excoriation uh, from David Lynch in 1986. It is Blue Velvet. It is the one that Roger Ebert got wrong. Uh, The movie does work. It is incredibly symbolic and dreamlike. It is a neo-noir. It is uh, an anticipatory film for what will later become Twin Peaks. Uh, It's it's just absolutely an incredible movie. Um, Also, uh, just... um, Rosalini, Isabella Rosalini is incredible. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In, in the film. So, and Laura Dern uh, pl- playing a really, really young. McLaughlin's fine. You think he's just fine? I he's think he's pretty fine. good. I like how doe eyed he is. Well, that's what he does. That is what that he is, does. That is Clyde McLaughlin. Uh, but anyway, I, I, he's yeah, fu- there's weird McLaughlin and doe eyed McLaughlin. That's and then there's incredibly good McLaughlin, like there is in uh, Twin Peaks Return. Interesting. Okay. So, but uh, this is just okay, McLaughlin. He's handsome. All right. So he does that well. But anyway, uh, 1986's uh, Blue Velvet comes in at 29 for me what comes in at 29 for you arthur uh it's it's another movie about guys fighting uh <laughs> it is martin scorsese's raging bull interesting i didn't know you uh, like raging bull this much I like raging bull so a lot. Good. Uh, it's very very I struggle good. with this movie uh it's uh it's spiritual it's passionate it is uh again chasing that uh, uh american dream and that obsession that comes along with it and jake lamada's story and de niro's performance here i think is just a powerhouse but those uh the way scorsese films those fight sequences in that ring uh, the way he puts that camera moves the camera frames everything i think it's just a master class in filmmaking i think it's a powerful story that is amplified by its filmmaking i think de niro's uh or uh, scorsese's uh, just uh showing off here showboating <laughs> uh, and so i appreciate that about it and uh i think it's i think it's real solid i think it's real good uh, it left a lasting impact on me when I saw it, and so I uh, I, I threw it up here uh, in the top thirty. It's Raging Bull. Very good, very good. What comes in at twenty nine for you, Dalton? My number twenty nine pick is Alfonso Cuarón's E Tu Mama Tambien. That movie's good. Yeah, it's a great movie. I learned more about Mexico watching this movie than I did taking several semesters of Spanish. Uh, <laughs> I just like this movie a lot. I've only seen it the one time, but it really hit me. Uh, a great coming-of-age film, uh, a, a great meditation on uh, a time and a place, really. Uh, just about exploring the, the land you're from, getting to know it better, and uh, about stories you never get to hear because you can never really know what's going on with another person. Mm-hmm. You, you'll only ever get a glimpse of another person, and uh, uh, those glimpses are, are powerful and profound, and uh, you should cher- cherish every little bit of them that you get. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. That movie's good. That's a great movie. Uh, number 28 is where we move to next. And number 28 for me is another silent feature. It is Ziga Vertov's Man with the Movie Camera, uh, one mm. of those great Soviet montage films of the 1920s. Uh, it is uh, a symphony of a city. It is very much a documentary. It is not a narrative film, per se. It's got all kinds of mechanization of the city and of filmmaking process itself demonstrated, uh, various factory processes, also a live birth. <laughs> 
So it is a movie that's all over the place. But uh, I love Man of the Movie Camera. It is an incredible bit of filmmaking and cinema history. And it comes in at number 28 for me. What comes in at 28 for you, Arthur? Uh, 28 for me is a movie about movies. Uh, and that is Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie. Nice. Uh, I, I still remember leaving the theater feeling I'd been on a roller coaster. Um, having seen that and I wanted to go again immediately. Uh, it's so good. Um, the way in which it interrogates plays with archetypes in horror, um, the way it, uh, frames all of that, uh, against this very meta studio style of filmmaking. Um, it's just so cool. And the kind of two movies taking place, the office work movie, uh, that's going horribly awry and the, uh, Cabin in the Woods movie that's also going horribly awry and the way those two worlds merge in just an utter bloodbath, I think is just uh, just some fun, fascinating uh, storytelling, movie making. It's a blast. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, everybody uh, just having a ball. Uh, I-, I love it so much. Um, yeah, man. And The uh, cops will never pull over a man with a huge bong in his car, Arthur. Why? <laughs> they fear this man. He sees He's farther than, than they, they do. do. <laughs> love him. And he will bind them with ancient logics. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, man, the uh, the recurring bit with the uh, uh, the the gas station guy who's... Uh, oh, I can't remember what they... The, uh, the Harbinger. The Harbinger. Yeah. is such a good bit. Am I still on speakerphone? <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Dalton, what do you got? 28. Uh, number 28, I have, my, I have a sports movie. Believe oh. it or not, I think this is per- I think this is the highest rated sports movie I have, <laughs> uh, but it is uh, Spike Lee's "He Got Game," mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, story of, of sure. Jesus Shuttleworth and his dad, uh, who is uh, trying his best despite being a real bastard. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But but everybody's more complicated than that in this movie. And that's what I love about it. It's a movie about America. It's a movie about basketball. It's a movie about fathers and sons. Uh, I was so excited to discover this film when we, we did it for the show. Um, I, I think about it all the time. So that opening montage mm-hmm. is just incredible. It's one of the, one of the yeah. finest moments of American movies. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a great film and uh, it's not my favorite Denzel performance. There's, there's, uh, another Denzel list uh, pick coming up on my list in just a few entries, uh, but uh, I this is a close second for sure. Did you see when you were ten years old? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. We'll get there. We'll Dustin, save it. Dustin, what's coming in at twenty seven? Number twenty seven is a little French coming of age film. It is Celine Sciamma's Girlhood. Yeah, nice. man, nice. that movie, guys. Uh, it's an all uh, Senegalese um, immigrant cast to um, or Algerian um, immigrant cast to I think France. Lead Senegalese. Uh huh. I think the lead is Senegalese. Yeah, I think. But I think some of the other actresses are Algerian. Uh, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a great movie about just growing up in the band Lose of Friends. And uh, it's it's a really sensitive movie. Also one of the best needle drops using uh, Rihanna's Diamonds. Mm-hmm. It just incredible, incredible movie. And a moving film about a young girl who has got a lot of cards stacked up against her and yet finds a way to take charge and control of her own life and finding her own power. Uh, man, I, what else do you need? Uh, Girlhood from Celine Sciamma from the year of our Lord, 2014. It comes in at 26. For me, what's twenty seven for you, Arthur? Uh, twenty seven for me. I lied last week when there was when I said uh, 
Social Network was my last Fincher movie because this is my last Fincher movie. And it is the great horror film, the great true crime film. It is Zodiac. Well, let's just get out of the way, Arthur. It is also my number 27. Boom, boom, boom. I knew it was going to happen. Synergy. It had it to happened. happen eventually. We There's got so there. much overlap. We, we had got to. got there. Uh, what a movie, right? Uh, it's uh, got arguably for me the most... Uh, horrifying moments in cinema mm. uh, when uh, Hall walks into that basement and we don't know what's going to happen. And history can tell us what's going to happen, but it's one of those moments where the filmmaking supersedes the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, pins and needles on the edge, is he going to come out of that basement? What's going to happen? I thought it's you were going to talk about the moment at the lake, which for me is, is also horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, har- harrowing is a great word for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and man, what a movie. It's Fincher firing on all cylinders. I was literally just talking about this movie today with a friend of the show, Kirsten. Uh, and uh, she was talking about this movie being just like an absolute masterclass in pacing. Like, talk about, mm-hmm. a, yeah. talk about a nearly three hour movie that d- doesn't ever feel like it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I watched it, no offense to the Tower Theater in Oklahoma City, but not the most ideal place to watch a movie, see unfortunately. It. Yeah. But I watched it there and it still played like gangbusters. Like, yeah. It was still great. Uh, I was excited every second, even even if the chairs are all... Yeah. Uh, it's just a fantastic piece of work. Um, we probably should have stopped doing true crime then. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, what? It's, it's so weird. It's done. It feels like an answer to seven, right? Like, it feels yeah. like a, somebody coming back to that material who's a little older, a little yeah. more mature, thinking about real-world violence and, like, what what true crime is, what it looks like. And yeah, I, I just think it's so smart and it deals with uh, our sort of our national obsession with murderers and yeah. deals with it so well. Yeah. Uh, and it, by, by channeling it through a Jake Gyllenhaal performance. Yeah. And yeah. some good De Niro, or, uh, De Niro, some good Danny <laughs> Jr. too. Mm-hmm. Danny's great. Ruffalo uh, is fun. Uh, Ruffalo is so good. Great this cannot John go unexplained. Yeah. <laughs> Do what? John Carroll Lynch, though. Oh, John Carroll Lynch in this movie. Well, he's one of my faves, and this is just a lights out from him. Yeah, he's he is truly one of the great character actors yeah. of his generation, and yeah, it's it's one of his best performances. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. So, so that's, that's Zodiac R twenty seven. There we go. Hell yeah, that's Dustin. Awesome. What's your number twenty six? Number twenty six is another sequel that surpasses the original. It is The Empire Strikes Back. I mm. um, very narrowly didn't make the cut. Yeah. Yes. If a Star Wars movie was going to make the list, it was, it was, it was Empire yeah. or, or well, actually The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah Star oh, Wars yeah. was way back on my list at number ninety one, and this one is here again at number twenty, whatever it is, twenty six. I'm moving yeah. around, so now I don't have my lines. Uh, number twenty six, and. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, if you don't have Empire Strikes Back, you don't have the Star Wars franchise as we know it. Uh, it is what really solidifies this thing as a world that's worth living in in media. Yeah, absolutely. It's the more grown up entry. And I, I think, is it fundamentally like a story that is for children? 100%. Mm-hmm. But like the sort of pathos and, and darker themes of empire, like really gives it some, some narrative legs to stand on, I think. Yeah. And I think it's essential to the franchise's success. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's why it works for me. And I just, I love the empire strikes back and that's why it's number 26 for me. What comes in 26 for you, Arthur? Um, man, it is fight night over here on my list because, uh, this <laughs> to me, um, it's the best legacy sequel. It's, uh, just a fantastic uh, work from a, a great director and his uh, great collaborator, um, Michael B. Jordan. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Creed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a fantastic boxing movie. It's a fantastic sports movie. Uh, it's a fantastic story about a, a, a young man. A trying great Ryan to, Coogler movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great Coogler movie. Uh, but it's a, it's a great story about a young man trying to identify 
who he is as a person and living up to his father's shadow. It's the one that it's the legacy sequel that really takes the idea of legacy really seriously. Yeah. And does something it makes with it work. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it plays the hits, LOL, of uh, of Rocky, uh, mm-hmm. while also being mm-hmm. its own uh, very satisfying, very fulfilling movie in its own right. Uh, Coogler's a big part of that uh, in, in his direction and, and work on it, but also Michael B. Jordan uh, and Tessa yeah, Thompson, Tessa right? Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there uh, as well as, as they lead this movie and uh, and Stallone's just doing some great work as well. Uh, kind of re... Criminal to not give him the Oscar it is, for that. It was. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It I was, can't even it, remember it who beat him. a great return to form for him, for a guy who'd become a such a laughing sock. I think that's why they still didn't give it to him. I think he doesn't have credibility with the Academy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, but yeah, it, it's for me, number 26, Creed. But for the record, Stallone has an Oscar for Rocky. So there's it's that. Not an acting one, though, well, right? That's true. Yeah. It's a screenplay. But he's got Stallone has a screenplay Oscar. Yeah, so does Damon. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And Affleck. Yeah, I, that's so funny to think about. You can just sometimes you remember Damon and Affleck have an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. <laughs> that rules. The youngest winner, I think, too. Uh, yeah, for close to writing, it. at least. I think so. I think you're right. All right, what comes in 26 for you, Dalton? Uh, at number 26, we have another Julia Descarnot joint. It is Tatane. Uh, Vincent uh, uh, Vincent Linden and uh, Agatha Rossell in this weird film about family and body horror and dance and cars and firefighters and modeling and murder. Uh, I'm into all those things. Yeah, this movie's weird, dude. You're going to love it. It's absolutely <laughs> on your wavelength. Uh, yeah, it, it is about finding family where you can make it and, and, and trying to love people for who they are. Uh, and it, it, it does the thing that I think so many, you know, we, we in America have a hard time operating cinematically at anything less than the literal level. And I, I think what other national cinemas really exceed. And we, we do sometimes, you know, I'm not totally throwing us under the bus, but I, I think me, the metaphorical film is so much stronger in so many other national cinemas. And I think this is one of those films that is mostly operating on the metaphorical level at all times. I mean, a woman gives birth to a car baby hybrid at the end of the film. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. And it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to be literal. It is supposed to be sort of a, a, a vague concept, a, a sort of... a obscure abstract idea uh and i think that that that's it's it's fun when movies are allowed to be that when movies are allowed to not have to be literal or allowed to be more about ideas and feelings and uh, questions man more than they are about answers and i think it's a great film it's on hulu like right now you can go check it out it's super recent um if, if you want to get into french cinema and you're into something that's a weird time you go check out tatain my number 26 very good very good uh speaking of that which is not on the literal uh, my number 25 entry is uh from 2002 uh, a 96 minute single take film um Russian Ark. Uh, oh, I know about this. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, man, it is an incredible film where the main character is perhaps a ghost who is passing through the Winter Palace Hermitage there in St. Petersburg. Looking Which is a at, museum, right? Huge museum, looking at the piece of art, uh, meeting various fictional and non-fictional characters.
characters uh, and sort of a uh, an interesting meditative romp through the uh, history of Russia through uh, up to the Soviet um, Revolution and beyond. Uh, it's an incredible little movie. Uh, and again, it's 96 minutes. It is a single take, no hides. Uh, it is an actual real life single take film with thousands of extras. It is uh, an achievement. When did it come out? Uh, 2002. Uh, yeah, I knew it was fairly recent. Yeah. But I, I thought it was a little bit more recent. I thought it was like uh, the early 2010s for some reason. Yeah, it's 02. Uh, Sukarov is probably the greatest uh, working Russian filmmaker right now. And uh, yeah, like it a bunch. Russian art comes in at 25 for me. What's 25 for you, Arthur? Uh, definitely not that. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> well, okay. Shifting Gears. Um, uh, the movie... and. I, kind of uh, alluded to last week with uh, Stars Born being a late addition to the list. I had to take something out. Uh, it's because I could also talk about it here if I wanted to uh, because they are both part of the Cornetto trilogy. This is Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Would you take out Hot Fuzz? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, these are, I mean, they're they're part and parcel. They're two movies that I, I hold in very high regard and very high esteem. Um, and Hot Fuzz could easily slot in here just as quickly. Um, Shaun of the Dead, though, is, I, I think, just genius filmmaking about the power of friendship, about the power of love, um, about finding a way in the world, um, a fun satire on the modern zombie and the, the mindless consumerism that still is rampant in 2003, 2004. Um, even with a little red on you, uh, you can make a difference in this world. Uh, you find a good place to blow away you know, for all this to blow over. Uh, it's just fun filmmaking. It's uh, it's uh, a great little coming out party on the big screen for Edgar Wright, uh, and a, a great collaboration uh, that he would have with uh, with the the good boys uh, there, Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost. Frost, yeah, Nick Frost. <laughs> Man, sliding around here. I'll stop doing um, it, and you stop laughing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great time. It's uh, a movie near and dear to my heart. Uh, Bill Nighy uh, has a fun little turn in it as well. Uh, so it's a blast. And then obviously some great cameos from people, uh, all, all sorts of Brits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, number uh, 25 for me. We're in, the, we're in the top 25 here. Oh, here we go. Fancy. What's 25 for you? Number 25 is my favorite Denzel Washington performance. And how how do you pick one film to... to, to m- to monument the career that is Denzel Washington, because there are few careers as, as cataclysmic as this. And I was a much younger, much stupider man when I uh, besmirched this performance as just Denzel, but with more N-bombs. And that's so not what this performance is. I Correct. was a dumb little asshole when I said that. Uh, this movie's so good. It is Training Day, the movie that Arthur alluded to that I saw when I was 10. Did it, you see when you were 10? I saw when I was 10. My dad, dad was not responsible. <laughs> not a responsible man. It's come up before. It has come up a time or two on, on our, our larger, larger body of podcasts and on this one as well. We talked about this film on the show before, and uh, it's, it's like the LAPD movie, I think. I think mm-hmm. it's a great film about modern American policing and sort of the inherent problems with that prospect. And I I think it explores race and policing in really kind of interesting and profound and complex and sticky ways. Uh, And Ethan Hawke is, is doing his best to keep up with one of the greatest living American actors. And he does a pretty good job. He equips himself very well in a supporting role that it's, it's, it's very rare that you have a movie where the protagonist is a supporting character and the antagonist is the lead character. 
but I think it, it works really well in this film. And I, I think that's that element of, of the story is sort of what makes it so exciting. And, uh, Look, I, it makes sense that they give Denzel the Oscar for this one because it is a captivating villainous performance, and you don't expect that from Denzel. You don't. You he's always got so much light and uh, warmth in his character. Even somebody like uh, Whip Whitaker in um, Flight, who's you know this mm-hmm. troubled addict, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's still got some warmth in him. And you know his uh, Jake Shuttlesworth in He Got Game. There's still like light inside of Jake, even though he's a violent man who who has, uh, you know, got a lot of problems. Alonzo Harris is a bad dude, and that is about mm-hmm. all. He is about money and power and Alonzo. And I think Denzel, like, really brings that character to life and makes him a scary fucking guy. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incredible film. And uh, it's Anton Fuqua's, uh, I think, you know, he's got some great movies, but I think it's, it still remains his, his kind of defining career uh, work. That is number 25 for me. I cannot believe we're in the top 25. Dustin, what's your number 24? Number 24 is oddly a pun with number 25. We had Russian Ark, and now we have The Passion of Joan of Arc. Hey, hey. all right, welcome that, back. What is that? We uh, knew we'd see that movie again. That, yeah, and absolutely. The the movie is incredible. Carl Theodore Dreyer uh, is an incredible filmmaker. Vampire could have made the list, or Debt could have made the list, but I, I, I tend to come back to Passion of Joan of Arc. And so, it. it's just, it's a great movie. Uh, again, incredible close-up works. Uh, inc- incredible uh, ability to capture passion. Um, the walls were painted pink to give them the luminescent glow that they have and the drabness of uh, that sparse style that uh, Paul Schrader writes about in Transcendental Film Style and the movie just it works on so many levels. It's an incredible movie. We've already said things about it so I won't say anything more but for me 24 is The Passion of Joan of Arc. What comes in at 24 for you Arthur? Uh, Some people are Freddy guys. Uh, Some people are uh, Jason people. Uh, I'm a Michael Myers person. Why pick? Uh, my uh, number 24 is John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978. The Master Maybe, of Terror. The Master of Terror. Uh, just the uh, the penultimate, uh, ultimate final girl uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. as Laurie Strode. Uh, the iconic uh, shape himself, that uh, spray-painted uh, uh, mask of uh, Captain Kirk there. Mm-hmm. Um just it's, lightning in a bottle, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's a great. Uh, it was a great horror film. It's great as an independent movie. Uh, what it was able to achieve in that regard, um, a, a bizarre franchise spun out of it. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> yes uh, supposed to be an anthology, but then they made a sequel. Then they did anthologize it, and then all sorts of weird. And they rebooted it not once but twice. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, wild. It's it's a fantastic fascinating story but you know what as long as they keep making them that means john carpenter keeps getting cut checks so he can stay home and smoke weed and play video games and honestly that's what he deserves and score movies at school yeah he still has fun scoring them which i think is great so it's a it's a good time but uh yeah halloween to me uh, is is one of the formative movies Uh, another one of those that i got into as i was getting into movies uh and i think it's a it's a great horror film a great slasher just a great movie and Mm -hmm. it's halloween very good, very good. What comes in at 24 for you, Dalton? Number 24 for me is uh, from a filmmaker that uh, has already made Arthur's list. It is Ari Aster's Midsommar. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love this movie. Uh, did it make anybody else's list? No. Okay. Um, but Hereditary made Arthur's, and uh, for me, it's this is the one. It's, I like them both. It's the longer one. It is the shaggier one. It's definitely not as tight as Hereditary, but I, I kind of love the... 
the maximalism of Midsommar. And they're uh, a very yin-yang pair as well. One's right? a film uh, where everything scary happens in the dark, and the other one is uh, a film where everything scary happens at, at light, right? But they're all about the fallout of family drama. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what Aster... Again, we, we've talked a little bit on this show before about sort of the, the modern trend of every horror movie has to be about trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't think that we necessarily need it. I, I agree that it, it can be sort of a troubling trend. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Ari Aster gets how to use it. Mm-hmm. He 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 definitely uh, you know and we've you know what I'm not I'm not going to say anything more. We talked about Midsummer for almost uh, an hour and a half not too long ago, uh, just last year. Uh, it's one of uh, my favorite episodes uh, I think that we've ever done. Uh, I think it's a great show. You can go check uh, check out us talking about it and see why I like Midsummer there, Dustin. What's your number 23? Number 23 for me is another French film. It's from Robert Bresson, one of two appearances from Bresson. It is Diary of a Country Priest, upon which was later based a film I like a lot that did not make my list, uh, which is First Reformed. Uh, It is a great, great uh, movie. Uh, Incredible meditation. And again, that sparse style that we mentioned earlier uh, with uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc, we see it also coming to force here, uh, maybe more effectively uh, in Diary of a Country Priest. It's just um, an, an incredible movie about a guy slowly dying and serving his community, uh, keeping secrets and uh, or confidences, I guess I should say. And uh, just an incredible film on uh, the clergy and on just uh, overall virtue and how virtue sometimes doesn't look very virtuous. And mm-hmm. yet it is still virtue. So uh, great movie. I like it a lot. It's 1951's Diary of a Country Priest from Robert Bresson. Moving on to your 23, Arthur. What is it? Oh, well, I had to get a hitch on all three of our lists this week. Uh, and so this is my uh, <laughs> my Hitchcock for the week, and that is Vertigo. Um, mm-hmm. Just a power. We'll be seeing it again. Yeah, I figured we would. Um, it's. I did say earlier that I've You've only seen, Vertigo, seen right? Psycho. Yeah, I've seen Vertigo. Okay. Vertigo's really good. Yeah. yeah. I, it rules. I need to see it again. Psycho, I've seen like three or four times. Yeah. Maybe even five. So it feels like I've got more of a relationship with yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, again, the recurring theme of my, uh, my list has been obsession, I think. And. Uh, uh, there's none more obsessive than Jimmy Stewart in this movie uh, going after Kim Novak. Uh, just a, a fantastic movie that just spirals in on itself. Beautiful uh, production, costumes, sets. Uh, San Francisco looks beautiful uh, as, as they navigate that. Uh, Jimmy Stewart turning in this very uh, good-to-creep uh, performance uh, is, is a fun turn for him. Uh, Kim Novak is great in this almost uh, essentially dual role uh, that she's taking on. Uh, it's often considered Hitch's masterpiece, and it's easy to see why. Uh, it's a great story. It's great storytelling. It's great filmmaking. I, I, you know, smarter people have said better things than I could about it. Uh, it is Vertigo. Very good, very good. What comes in at 23 for you? 23 for me is a film that uh, I don't know how many people have heard of. It's pretty recent from 2018. Uh, it is Jim Cummings, uh, written, directed, and starring uh, Thunder Road. Wow. Uh, I love this movie, dude. Wow. It is a movie about grief and masculinity and mothers and sons. And if you wondered, wait, Dalton, you didn't talk about, you didn't say uh, uh, Trading Days is a movie about policing and masculinity. I just said it's about policing a little bit, but that's because I wanted to talk about it for Thunder Road because it is all about like the kind of dude you have to present yourself as if you're going to be a cop. And Mm. what happens when the guy that's presenting himself as that kind of guy is not really that kind of guy. And I I think that somebody who wanted to get into law enforcement for so long, I I really this movie speaks to me at a pretty deep level. I, I just think Jim Cummings 
has a, a real knack for dark comedy. And, and this film opens with uh, a man giving a very impassioned and uh, heartfelt musical performance at his mother's we- uh, funeral, and nobody else gets it. Uh, mm. It was a special thing for him and his mom, and nobody else gets what he's up to. And the fallout from that is is what makes up this movie. And uh, it's just uh, is about uh, what how do you cope when everybody around you thinks you're melting down? And mm-hmm. what do you do when you do start eventually melting down? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's a great movie, and I, I hope more people catch up with it. Um, yeah, I, I think I got uh, this on my radar. Um, I can't remember where it first showed up on my radar, but I remember Keithan uh, is actually mm. the reason I like made it a like I got to yeah. catch up with this immediately. Priority. Yeah. It's a great film. Dustin, what's your number 22? Number 22 is an Akira Kurosawa film from 1985. It is Akira Kurosawa's Ran. Yeah, I know you uh, like this one Which a lot. is the King Lear adaptation. Uh, it's a part of a trilogy of movies, Throne of Blood for Macbeth, The Bad Sleep Well for Hamlet, and this movie for King Lear. And uh, it's a samurai movie that's not really about samurai fighting so much. I mean, there's some huge battle scenes, don't get me wrong. But it is uh, very much a political drama. It is about betrayal, about fatherhood, also about no theater, um, weirdly enough, and madness. Uh, it is... And again, uh, King Lear, but with samurais. Uh, full color, uh, great use of cinematography in the telephoto lens to smash space. It's just uh, an absolutely delight of a movie to watch, and uh, perhaps the best King Lear adaptation I've seen on screen ever. So uh, so it's my favorite Kurosawa, and it is Ran from 1985. What comes at 22 for you, Arthur? Uh, it was talked about by you, Dustin, I think in our first week. Maybe second week. Perhaps. It was in the second week. Uh, It was your number 64. Uh, It is my number 22. I believe it's going to come up one more time. Uh, It is the best Christmas movie. It is Children of Men. Yes. Um, It'll come up again. An incredible movie. uh, Incredible action. Incredibly shot. uh, Quaron's use of the long take and and to heighten uh, the realism in this very fictional world but doesn't feel fictional anymore and what a world we live in uh it's very timely when it came out it's still timely to this day uh clive olin julianne moore just chiwetel ejiofor chiwetel ejiofor uh michael kine uh michael Uh, kine your boy jacks teller um oh my god uh yeah i can't think of his actual name i can't either uh, Charlie anyway, Hunnam. There it is. There it is. Yeah. It's got everybody. It's great. Uh, it's Man, what a movie. Um, just some incredible action sequences, some incredible filmography, uh, cinematography. Cinematography, words are getting hard after two of these. Uh, just a powerful story, though. Uh, one that is just so tragic and, and prescient, but also hopeful. Uh, and it's beautiful in so many ways, and that is Alfonso Cuarón's Children of Men. It's a great movie. What comes in at 22 for you? It is my Billy Wilder pick. It is Double Indemnity. That movie's good. That movie's so good. It kicks ass. Yes. Fred McMurray. What a great... It, it, it's Stanwyck. Yeah, my only classical, traditional noir. Yeah, dude, Stanwyck is so good in this movie. You talk, Arthur, you were talking about how Wilder excels at dialogue. I think of their first scene. Yeah. Uh, which is just incredible. It's just... Machine gun rat-a-tat-tat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the horniest dialogue without ever, like, being explicit in yeah. any way. Like, like these... Oh, that ankle bracelet. post-code movies, oh, they're going to pump. They can pump. <laughs> I... God. I, there's just something about like, uh, movies made under the Hayes Code that are still kind of dirty. Yeah. Uh, something powerful about, about movies working under those restrictions. Uh, yeah. It's an exciting, propulsive film 
that is another one about uh, obsession, but one about mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, one about betrayal, uh, one about, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a classic noir, and it, it shows Arthur, you know, mentioned all the, the Billy Wilder films that could have made his list, and um, yeah, you know, he, he really did do it all. Uh, but for me, it's it's his noir that makes the list, uh, despite his his really bottom. I mean, again, some like it hot, um, Ace in the Hole. God, that's a movie. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's this one. I, I've only seen it the one time, but I've been meaning to catch back up with it for for years because it, it is just incredible. You watch this and you you kind of can get noir in pretty much one fell swoop with Double Indemnity, and it's sort of this whole genre opens yep. itself up to you, and then you can really dive yeah. in because there's so much of it. Uh, Dustin. We are now at 21. This is the end of the Wrapping episode. Wrapping it up here. Wrapping yeah, it this up. Week. This is, yeah, we, we've sort of made good time on this one, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're approaching the home stretch. Yes, we are. So for my last selection for the day, it's uh, number 21 for me is Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep, uh, which is a movie I've talked about quite a bit yeah. on the show. Yeah. Uh, it was a movie that was uh, famously very, very difficult to find. Um, FYI, dear listener, uh, it's available on Canopy. Oh, if you okay. want to watch it for free 99, uh, you can watch it there on Canopy. Uh, it is a, uh, a neorealist comparisons are usually made uh, between life and Watts and uh, just, uh, again, very much a sympathetic view of what inner city life looks like in South Central Los Angeles uh, during the 1970s. And uh, they are vignettes that are, I mean, I would say loosely connected is actually uh, making them too connected. Um, They are vignettes of life in uh, Watts at the time. And it is a really, really humanistic view of just what that kind of poverty looks like in the 1970s. Uh, It's an incredible film. Uh, It's absolutely moving, um, though at times you feel like you're watching a non-narrative film. Uh, But I really love it a lot, and I recommend it very, very highly. It's Killer Sheep from Charles Burnett uh, coming in at 21 for me. What's 21 for you, Arthur? The film which I am about to talk about is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. (laughs) In particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much as the mad and the macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. My number 21 is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Talk about lightning in a bottle films. Yeah. yeah. It's a perfect storm. It should not have been no. what it is. It's incredible. It's a top 150 for me for sure. Yeah. And honestly, probably could have made the top 100. It's on honestly, another it's day. just so hard to watch. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's unpleasant. It's, it's grisly. It's dirty. It's grimy. It's unsettling. And it's not even that and it's violent. It's not gory. Yeah. It's, at all. Yeah. It's all implied. It's yeah. all in your head. Um, and it perfectly encapsulates the conditions of which in which it was filmed. It was hot. It was stinky. Nobody liked each other. Nobody got along. And for all of that, it still became a cohesive film that has inspired and stood the test of time. I, I find myself thinking about it often. Uh, and I, I admire it so much um, for what it does. Uh, it's, it's another one of those very layered films that has a lot to say about America, uh, uh, about changing of the times, about meat production, about meat consumption, mm-hmm. um, and everything that kind of goes along with that, the effects of, uh, towns built about companies and how, mm-hmm. when that goes South, the town goes South yeah, and the families there go South. And I, I think it's just such a smart, powerful film from Toby Hooper, um, 
And again, it is that the lightning in a bottle, perfect storm. It never should have happened, yet it did. And I think that is inspiring and incredible. And I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think it's one of the greats. It is a great movie, absolutely. Look what your brother did to the door. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that's that's what I think about a lot. Uh, well, take us home, Dalton. I certainly will. Uh, I like science fiction, as has been established. I also like horror. Sometimes you put those two things together. And in space, no one can hear you scream. That's right. It's yep. really Scott's alien baby. Yeah, one of the, the all timers. I mean, H.R. Geiger coming in clutch, yeah. making this giant black dildo of a monster, <laughs> making one of the scariest things that has ever been on screen. And it is so sexual and so weird. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow they made a major motion picture franchise out of it. I don't understand it. It shouldn't have happened. And uh, we'll talk about its sequel here next week. Uh, but uh, We'll talk about it again as well. I figured we might. Uh, I had a feeling this one was going to rank pretty high for all three of us. I, I know it didn't we didn't make my list. It didn't make it. Yeah, really? I, lo- I love it. Surprising. I love it. I mean, you know, I mean, woman, smart woman is not listened to by the men. All the men die and only she lives in her cats. Four stars. <laughs> I think Dustin said it pretty well right there. Uh, yeah, Sigourney Weaver gives a, a bravura performance as this is the only smart person on the ship who wanted to follow the <laughs> rules. Uh, you follow the fucking quarantine rules. What's so hard about that, people? I don't understand. It's so simple. Still remains a problem. Uh, yeah, it will always <laughs> remain a problem because human beings are stupid and short-sighted. Yep. And uh, I, th- this is a great film about fear. Uh, uh, but, it, you know, it's it's it, what's so interesting about Alien is like, what is scary about it? Like what they tried to make scary, which is they tried to make sexual assault relatable to men. And uh, they definitely did so in a very interesting way. And uh, I think that's not the least of why it's an interesting film. I, I think uh, it is uh, uh, just production design to death. I mean, uh, the retro, it's, it's retro future now, but it wasn't at the time. The sort of the space trucker aesthetic of it all. Just like, I, that's what I love about this movie. And the aesthetics are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like all those CRT monitors and mm-hmm. all the smoke, cigarette smoke billowing and, and the light. Ugh, this movie just looks incredible. The drool. Oh, the best drool. Ah, oh, what incredible drool. I love this movie. All right. That's, that's the uh, second appearance of KY Jelly as a special effect for you as well. That's true. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, <laughs> well, look, if I had to, if the Predator made the list, the alien had to make the list. Yeah. I couldn't let just one of them true. make the list. Absolutely. That wouldn't be fair. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't be versus each other if you don't. No, there's got to have monster <laughs> equity. Uh, that's the end of the list. We have reached our, uh, our home stretch next week. Man, we take it home. Yeah. We take it home. Are so, you guys excited? I am. Yeah, me too. Curious. I'm very curious to see what your number ones are. Uh, I cannot wait. I to was find surprised out. when I thought about it. What I ended up coming up with. I mean, I knew what my number one was going yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Then I started. I sort of worked backwards from knowing what my top five. Were, yeah, probably. But uh, I think nothing next week will be very exciting. I think you've already dropped a pretty big hint about what your number one is. I have. I have. I've and mine was already it. mentioned. Yours has already been mentioned. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You, I have no clue. Mine has not yet I've, been mentioned. Yeah, there are movies that have been talked about that I thought would be on your list that haven't been on your list. Well, it's just it's hard. There's a problem with lists. They're I hard. Could, I could have put any movie we've talked about in the, in the top 100, but that's what the top 100 was this 
Yeah, well, a week. month ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Whenever this got put together. Uh, well, yeah. and of course, yeah, I'm sure we've all watched even... Uh, I was just talking off air before we got started watching my dinner with Andre this past week, and mm-hmm. holy shit, that could have made the top 100. That movie rules. I watched Rambo the First Blood, what, two nights ago, and I'm like, I could have put this on the list. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it made Arthur's list. It made it's Arthur's good. list. I mean, but it's I'm a like, good movie. Man, it's a good movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem with this, is I need 300 movies to be my top 100. <laughs> that's what I need. It's a Yeah, it's a 300-way tie. For number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. We all love our movies. They're our little babies. But if you want to have part of a conversation with us about those movies, you can do it via social media. Dalton, tell them how. That's right. If you want to tell, tell us your 100 favorite movies, you can send that list to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also let us know what you think about our lists there. You can also find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media. If you want to DM us uh, about uh, your 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 favorite movies or our favorite movies, whatever, hit us up or at us. I don't know. Do do your thing. We'll we'll see it. We'll check it out. Uh, if you want to help us keep the lights on, you can find us over at Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, all kinds of fun rewards and goodies for you over there. You can find all the info at Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, that's how you stay in touch next week. We bring it home. 22 number one. Yep. The top 20 for you next time. You keep watching. We'll keep talking and we'll see you all then next time. I'm not